Hello and welcome to Leftist Reading, a podcast where I'm a leftist and I read things. Today we are continuing with the curriculum of Marxism and Leninism and the introductory chapter that has so far charted the birth and development of Marxism, and we're now about to get to Lenin's involvement in developing Marxism further. So, let's jump right in. The Role of Lenin in Defending and Developing Marxism Lenin's process of defending and developing Marxism can be separated into three periods. First from 1893 to 1907, next from 1907 to 1917, and finally from the success of the October Revolution in 1917 until Lenin's death in 1924. From 1893 to 1907, Lenin focused on fighting against populists. Footnote 15. His book, What the Friends of the People Are and How They Fight Against the Social Democrats, 1894, criticized the serious mistakes of this faction in regards to socio-historical issues and exposed their scheme of distorting Marxism by erasing the boundaries between Marxism's materialist dialectics and Hegel's idealist dialectics. In the same book, Lenin also shared many thoughts about the important roles of theory, reality, and the relationship between the two. Annotation 33. The populist philosophy was born in Russia in the 19th century, with roots going back to the Narodnik Agrarian Socialist Movement of the 1860s and 70s, composed of peasants who rose up in a failed campaign against the Tsar. In the late 19th century, a new political movement emerged rooted in Narodnik ideas, and a new party called the Socialist Revolutionary Party was formed. The political philosophy of this movement, now commonly translated into English as populism, focused on an agrarian peasant revolution led by intellectuals with the ambition of going directly from a feudal society to a socialist society built from rural communes. This movement overtly opposed Marxism and dialectical materialism and was based on subjective idealist utopianism. See Annotation 95. With the book, What is to be Done, 1902, Lenin developed Marxist viewpoints on the methods for the proletariat to take power. He discussed economic, political, and ideological struggles. In particular, he emphasized the ideological formation process of the proletariat. Annotation 34. In What is to be Done, Lenin argues that the working class will not spontaneously attain class consciousness and push for political revolution simply due to economic conflict with employers and spontaneous actions like demonstrations and workers' strikes. He instead insists that a political party of dedicated revolutionaries is needed to educate workers in Marxist principles and to organize and push forward revolutionary activity. He also pushed back strongly against the ideas of what he called economism, as typified by the ideas of Eduard Bernstein, a German political theorist who rejected many of Marx's theories. Bernstein opposed a working-class revolution and instead focused on reform and compromise. He believed that socialism could be achieved within the capitalist economy and the system of bourgeois democracy. Lenin argued that Bernstein and his economist philosophy was opportunistic, and accused economists of seeking positions within bourgeois democracies to further their own personal interests and to quell revolutionary tendencies. As Lenin explained in A Talk with Defenders of Economism, quote, 
the economists limited the tasks of the working class to an economic struggle for higher wages and better working conditions, etc., asserting that the political struggle was the business of the liberal bourgeoisie. They denied the leading role of the party of the working class, considering that the party should merely observe the spontaneous process of the movement and register events. In their deference to spontaneity in the working class movement, the economists belittled the significance of revolutionary theory and class consciousness, asserted that socialist ideology could emerge from the spontaneous movement, denied the need for a Marxist party to instill socialist consciousness into the working class movement, and thereby cleared the way for bourgeois ideology. The economists who opposed the need to create a centralized working class party stood for the sporadic and amateurish character of individual circles. Economism threatened to divert the working class from the class revolutionary path and turn it into a political appendage of the bourgeoisie. End quote. The Encyclopedic Dictionary of Vietnam, published by the National Committee of the Communist Party of Vietnam, defines opportunism in this context as, quote, a system of political opinions with no direction, no clear path, no coherent viewpoint, leaning on whatever is beneficial for the opportunist in the short term, end quote. Lenin critiques opportunist socialism, referring to it as a critical trend in socialism, in what is to be done. Quote, He who does not deliberately close his eyes cannot fail to see that the new critical trend in socialism is nothing more nor less than a new variety of opportunism, and if we judge people by their actions and by what they actually advocate, it will be clear that freedom of criticism means freedom for an opportunist trend in social democracy, freedom to convert social democracy into a democratic party of reform, freedom to introduce bourgeois ideas and bourgeois elements into socialism. End quote. The first revolution of the Russian working class from 1905 to 1907 failed. Lenin summarized the reality of this revolution in the book Two Tactics of Social Democracy in the Democratic Revolution, 1905. In this book, Lenin explains that the capitalist class in Russia was actively engaged in its own revolution against Tsarist feudalism. In this context of this ongoing bourgeois revolution, Lenin deeply developed Marxist concepts related to revolutionary methodologies, objective and subjective factors that will affect the working class revolution, the role of the people, the role of political parties, etc. Annotation 35 from 1905 to 1907, Russia was beset by political unrest and radical activity, including workers' strikes, military mutinies, and peasant uprisings. Russia had just suffered a humiliating defeat in the Russo-Japanese War, which cost tens of thousands of Russian lives without any benefits to the Russian people. In addition, the economic and political systems of Tsarist Russia placed a severe burden on industrial workers and peasant farmers. In response, the Russian proletariat rose up in various uprisings, demonstrations, and clashes against government forces, landlords, and factory owners. In the end, this revolutionary activity failed to overthrow the Tsar's government, and the Tsar remained firmly in power until the Communist Revolution of 1917. Lenin wrote Two Tactics of Social Democracy in the Democratic Revolution in 1905 in Geneva, Switzerland. 
In it, he argues forcefully against the political faction within the Russian socialist movement that came to be known as the Mensheviks. The Mensheviks, as well as the Bolsheviks, Lenin's contemporary faction, emerged from a dispute within the Russian Social Democratic Labour Party, which took place in 1903. In the same text, Lenin argued the Mensheviks misunderstood the forces that were driving revolutionary activity in Russia. While the Mensheviks believed that the situation in Russia would develop along similar lines to previous revolutionary activity in Western Europe, Lenin argued that Russia's situation was unique, and that Russian Marxists should therefore adopt different strategies and activities which reflected Russia's unique circumstances and material conditions. Specifically, the Mensheviks believed that the working class should ally with the bourgeoisie to overthrow the Tsar's feudalist regime, and then allow the bourgeoisie to build a fully functioning capitalist economy before workers should attempt their own revolution. Lenin, on the other hand, presented a completely different analysis of class forces in Russia. He believed the bourgeoisie would seek a compromise with the Tsar, as both feudal and bourgeois classes in Russia feared a proletarian revolution. It's important to note that Russia's industrial workforce was very small at this time, and most Russians were peasant farmers. The Mensheviks believed Russian peasants would not be useful in a proletarian revolution, which is why they argued for allowing capitalism to be fully established in Russia before pushing for a working-class revolution. They believed it was prudent to wait until the working class became larger and more dominant in Russia before attempting to overthrow capitalism. They believed that the peasant class would not be useful in any such revolution. In contrast, Lenin believed that the peasants and industrial workers would have to work together to have any hope of a successful revolution. He further argued that an uprising of armed peasants and workers, fighting side by side, would be necessary for overthrowing the Tsar. From 1907 to 1917, there was a viewpoint crisis among many physicists. This strongly affected the birth of many idealist ideologies following Mach's positivism that attempted to negate Marxism. See Annotation 32. Lenin summarized the achievements of natural science as well as historical events of the late 19th century and early 20th century in his book Materialism and Imperial Criticism, 1909. By giving the classical definitions of matter, proving the relationships between matter and consciousness, and between social existence and social consciousness, and pointing out the basic rules of consciousness, etc., Lenin defended Marxism and carried it forward to a new level. Lenin clearly expressed his thoughts on the history, nature, and structure of Marxism in the book, the Three Sources and Three Component Parts of Marxism, 1913. He also talked about dialectics in Philosophical Notebooks, 1914-16, and expressed his thoughts about the proletarian dictatorship, the role of the Communist Party, and the path to socialism in his book, The State and Revolution, 1919. The success of the October Revolution in Russia in 1917 brought about a new era the transitional period from capitalism to socialism on an international scale. This event presented new theoretical requirements that had not existed in the time of Marx and Engels' time. In a series of works including Left-Wing Communism and Infantile Disorder, 1920, 
once again on the trade unions, the current situation and the mistakes of Trotsky and Bukharin, 1921, the tax in kind, 1921, etc., Lenin summarized the revolutionary practice of the people, continued defending Marxist dialectics, and uncompromisingly fought against eclecticism and sophistry. Annotation 36. In Anti-During, Engels identifies the historical missions of the working class as 1. Becoming the ruling class by establishing a dictatorship of the proletariat. 2. Seizing the means of production from the ruling class to end class society. Eclecticism is an incoherent approach to philosophical inquiry which attempts to draw from various different theories, frameworks, and ideas to attempt to understand a subject, applying different theories in different situations without any consistency in analysis and thought. Eclectic arguments are typically composed of various pieces of evidence that are cherry-picked and pieced together to form a perspective that lacks clarity. By definition, because they draw from different systems of thought without seeking a clear and cohesive understanding of the totality of the subject and its internal and external relations and its development over time, eclectic arguments run counter to the comprehensive and historical viewpoints. Eclecticism bears superficial resemblance to dialectical materialism in that it attempts to consider a subject from many different perspectives and analyzes relationships pertaining to a subject, but the major flaw of eclecticism is a lack of clear and coherent systems and principles, which leads to a chaotic viewpoint and an inability to grasp the true nature of the subject at hand. Sophistry is the use of falsehoods and misleading arguments, usually with the intention of deception, and with a tendency of presenting non-critical aspects of a subject matter as critical to serve a particular agenda. The word comes from the Sophists, a group of professional teachers in ancient Greece who were criticized by Socrates, in Plato's dialogues, for being shrewd and deceptive rhetoricians. This kind of bad faith argument has no place in materialist dialectics. Materialist dialectics must instead be rooted in a true and accurate understanding of the subject, material conditions, and reality in general. Simultaneously, Lenin also developed his Marxist viewpoint of the factors deciding the victory of a social regime, about class, about the two basic missions of the proletariat, about the strategies and tactics of proletarian parties in new historical conditions, about the transitional period, and about the plans of building socialism following the new economic policy, NEP, etc. Annotation 37. The early 1920s were a period of great internal conflict in revolutionary Russia, with various figures and factions wanting to take the revolution in different directions. As such, Lenin wrote extensively on the direction he believed the revolution should be carried forth to ensure lasting victory against both feudalism and capitalism. He believed that the October 1917 revolution represented the complete defeat of the Tsar, However, he believed the proletarian victory of the bourgeoisie would take more time. Russia was a poor, agrarian society. The vast majority of Russians under the Tsar were poor peasants. Industry, and thus the proletariat, was highly undeveloped compared to Western Europe. According to Lenin, 
A full and lasting proletarian victory over the bourgeoisie could only be won after the means of production were properly developed. In Fourth Anniversary of the October Revolution, Lenin wrote, quote, This first victory, the October 1917 Revolution, is not yet the final victory, and it was achieved by our October Revolution at the price of incredible difficulties and hardships. We have made the start. The important thing is that the ice has been broken, the road is open, the way has been shown. End quote. So Lenin knew that the victory over the Tsar and feudalism was only a partial victory, and that more work needed to be done to defeat the bourgeois entirely. He believed the key to this victory over their capitalist class would be economic development, since Russia was still a largely agrarian society with very little industrial or economic development compared to Western Europe. Quote, Our last but most important and most difficult task, the one we have done least about, is economic development, the laying of economic foundations for the new socialist edifice on the site of the demolished feudal edifice and the semi-demolished capitalist edifice. End quote. Lenin's plan for rapidly developing the means of production was his new economic policy, or the NEP. The new economic policy was proposed to be a temporary economic system that would allow a market economy and capitalism to exist within Russia alongside state-owned business ventures, all firmly under the control of the working-class-dominated state. As Lenin explains in Fourth Anniversary of the October Revolution, quote, At this very moment we are, by our new economic policy, correcting a number of our mistakes. We are learning how to continue erecting the socialist edifice in a small peasant country. End quote. He continues later in the text, quote, the proletarian state must become a cautious, assiduous, and shrewd businessman, a punctilious wholesale merchant. Otherwise, it will never succeed in putting this small peasant country economically on its feet. Under existing conditions, living as we are side by side with the capitalist, for the time being capitalist, West, there is no other way of progressing to communism. A wholesale merchant seems to be an economic type as remote from communism as heaven from earth, but that is one of the contradictions which, in actual life, lead from a small peasant economy via state capitalism to socialism. Personal incentive will step up production. We must increase production first and foremost, and at all costs. Wholesale trade economically unites millions of small peasants. It gives them a personal incentive, links them up, and leads them to the next step, namely to various forms of association and alliance in the process of production itself. We have already started the necessary changes in our economic policy and already have some successes to our credit. True, they are small and partial, but nonetheless they are successes. In this new field of tuition, we are already finishing our preparatory class. By persistent and assiduous study, by making practical experience the test of every step we take, by not fearing to alter over and over again what we have already begun, by correcting our mistakes and most carefully analyzing their significance, we shall pass to the higher classes. We shall go through the whole course. Although the present state of world economics and world politics has made that course much longer and much more difficult than we would have liked. 
No matter at what cost, no matter how severe the hardships of the transition period may be, despite disaster, famine, and ruin, we shall not flinch. We shall triumphantly carry our cause to its goal. End quote. With these great works dedicated to the three component parts of Marxism, see Annotation 42, the name Vladimir Ilyich Lenin became an important part of Marxism. It marked a comprehensive developing step from Marxism to Marxism-Leninism. D. Marxism-Leninism and the reality of the international revolutionary movement. The birth of Marxism greatly affected both the international worker movements and communist movements. The revolution in March 1871 in France could be considered as a great experiment of Marxism in the real world. For the first time in human history, a new kind of state, the dictatorship of the proletariat state, Paris Commune, was established. Annotation 38. The Paris Commune was an important but short-lived revolutionary victory of the working class which saw a revolutionary socialist government controlling Paris from March 18th to May 28th, 1871. During the brief existence of the Paris Commune, many important policies were set forth, including a separation of church and state, abolishment of rent, an end to child labor, and the right of employees to take over any business which had been abandoned by its owner. Unfortunately, the Paris Commune was brutally toppled by the French army, which killed between six and 7,000 revolutionaries in battle and by execution. The events of the Paris Commune heavily influenced many revolutionary thinkers and leaders, including Marx, Engels, and Lenin, and was referenced frequently in their works. In August 1903, the very first Marxist proletariat party was established, the Russian Social Democrat Labour Party. It was a true Marxist party that led the revolution in Russia in 1905. In October 1917, the victory of the socialist revolution of the proletariat in Russia opened a new era for human history. In 1919, the Communist International was held. In 1922, the Union of Soviet Socialist Republic was established. It marked the alliance of the proletariat of many countries. With the power of this alliance, the fight against fascism not only protected the achievements of the proletariat's revolution, but also spread socialism beyond the borders of Russia. Following the lead of the Soviet Union, a community of socialist countries was built, with revolutions leading to the establishment of socialism in the following countries and their years of establishment. Mongolia in 1921, Vietnam in 1945, the Democratic People's Republic of Korea in 1945, Yugoslavia in 1945, Albania in 1946, Romania in 1947, Czechoslovakia in 1948, East Germany in 1949, China in 1949, Hungary in 1949, Poland in 1956, and Cuba in 1959. Annotation 39. The first international, also known as the International Working Men's Association, was founded in London and lasted from 1864 to 1876. Karl Marx and Friedrich Engels were key figures in the foundation and operation of this organization, which sought better conditions and the establishment of rights for workers. The second international was founded in Paris in 1889 to continue the work of the first international. 
It fell apart in 1916 because the members from different nations could not maintain solidarity through the outbreak of World War I. The Third International, also known as the Communist International, or the Comintern for short, was founded in Moscow in 1919, though many nations didn't join until later in the 1920s. Its goals were to overthrow capitalism, build socialism, and establish a dictatorship of the proletariat. It was dissolved in 1943 in the midst of the German invasion of Russia in World War II. These great historical events enhanced the revolutionary movement of the working class all around the whole world. The people awakened and encouraged the liberation resistance of many colonized countries. The guiding role of Marxism-Leninism brought many great results for a world of peace, independence, democracy, and social progress. However, because of many internal and external factors, in the late 1980s, the Socialist Alliance faced a crisis and fell into a recession period. Even though the socialist system fell into a crisis and was weakened, the socialist ideology still survived internationally. The determination of successfully building socialism was still very strong in many countries, and the desire to follow the socialist path still spread widely in South America. Nowadays, the main feature of our modern society is fast and varied change in many social aspects caused by technology and scientific revolution. But, no matter how quickly and diversely our society changes, the nature of the capitalist production method never changes. So, in order to protect the socialist achievements earned by the flesh and blood of many previous generations, and in order to have a tremendous development step in the career of liberating human beings, it is very urgent to protect, inherit, and develop Marxism-Leninism, and also innovate the work of building socialism in both theory and practice. The Communist Party of Vietnam declared, quote, Nowadays, capitalism still has potential for development, but in nature it's still an unjust, exploitative, and oppressive regime. The basic and inherent contradictions of capitalism, especially the contradictions between the increasing socialization of the production force and the capitalist private ownership regime, will never be solved and will even become increasingly serious. The feature of the current period of our modern society is countries with different social regimes and different developmental levels coexist, cooperate, struggle and compete fiercely for the interests of their own nations. The struggles for peace, independence, democracy, development, and social progress of many countries will still have to cope with hardship and challenges, but we will achieve new progress. According to the principles of historical development, human beings will almost certainly go forward to socialism. Footnote 16. Annotation 40. Historical materialism is the application of dialectical materialist philosophy and materialist dialectic methodology to the analysis of human history, society, and development. The principles of historical materialism, as developed by Marx, Engels, and Lenin, indicate that human society is moving towards socialism and will almost certainly, in time, develop into socialism, and then proceed towards a stateless, classless form of society, communism. These principles of historical materialism were initially formulated and discussed in several books by Marx, Engels, and Lenin, including The German Ideology by Marx and Engels, Socialism Utopian and Scientific by Marx and Engels, and Karl Marx 
by Lenin. The Communist Party of Vietnam has also declared, quote, in the opinion of the Vietnam Communist Party, using Marxism, Leninism, and Ho Chi Minh thought as the foundation for our ideology, the guideline for our actions is an important developmental step in cognition and logical thinking. Footnote 17. Achievements that the Vietnamese people have gained in the war to gain our independence in peace and in the renovation era, are all rooted in Marxism, Leninism, and Ho Chi Minh thought. Therefore, we have to creatively apply and develop Marxism, Leninism, and Ho Chi Minh thought in the party's activities. We have to regularly summarize reality, complement and develop theory, and soundly solve the problems of our society. Footnote 18. Annotation 41. Ho Chi Minh thought refers to a system of ideas developed by Ho Chi Minh and other Vietnamese communists which relate to the application of Marxist-Leninist philosophy and methodology to the specific material conditions of Vietnam during the revolutionary period. There is no universal roadmap for applying the principles of Marxism-Leninism. How the philosophy of Marxism-Leninism should be applied will vary widely from one time and place to another. This is why Ho Chi Minh and other Vietnamese communists had to develop Ho Chi Minh thought, so that scientific socialism could be developed within the unique context of Vietnam's particular historical development and material conditions. It is the duty of every revolutionary to study Marxism-Leninism as well as specific applied forms of Marxism-Leninism developed by revolutionaries for their own specific times and places, such as Ho Chi Minh for Vietnam, Mao Zedong, China, Fidel Castro and Che Guevara, Cuba, etc. However, it must be recognized that the ideas, strategies, methodologies, and philosophies developed in such particular circumstances can be applied in exactly the same way in other times and places, such as our own contemporary material conditions. The renovation era refers to the period of time in Vietnam from the 1980s until the early 2000s during which the Doi Moi renovation policies were implemented. These policies restructured the Vietnamese economy to end the previous subsidizing model, which was defined by state ownership of the entire economy. The goals of the renovation era were to open Vietnam economically and politically and to normalize relations with the rest of the world. The Doi Moi policies were generally successful and paved the way to the path to socialism era which Vietnam exists in today. The goals of the path to socialism era are to develop Vietnam into a modern developed country with a strong economy and wealthy people which will allow us to transition towards the lower stage of communism which Lenin called socialism. And finally, quote, we have to be consistent with Marxism-Leninism and Ho Chi Minh thought. We have to creatively apply and develop the ideology correspondingly with the reality in Vietnam. We have to firmly aim for national independence and socialism." End quote. And that is going to do it for this week, which brings us to the end of the first chapter, The Brief History of Marxism-Leninism, which, all told, has been quite brief. The annotations have expanded it somewhat, but I think in very useful ways. Some of it has gone over th things we have read at different points, but some of it has definitely filled in some gaps and helped make the timeline clearer. 
Some of our readings have been scattered in different ways where we've just seen snapshots of different moments of theory and had to piece them together. This quite clearly lays out social context of Marx's thought and how it was responding to things. Like having to tell people that if you want to be philosophical about whether or not the material world exists, sure that's one thing, but people have to eat. People need physical objects, and those clearly exist, because otherwise they would not be dying from not eating. The fact that that was a school of thought to argue against really underscores the importance of materialist dialectics. If you have any questions, comments, corrections, or suggestions, you can email leftistreading at gmail.com or contact the show on Twitter at leftistreading. Our intro and outro music is Decisions by Eric Medias. You can find it and more of his work on soundimage.org. And this show is hosted on the Abnormal Mapping Network. You can go to abnormalmapping.com to find this and lots of other leftist podcasts, as well as going to patreon.com abnormalmapping to support the network there and get extra bonus shows. That is all for this week. Thank you for listening. And keep reading.